1: Hey, hey, hey. We're back and we're Brown Ambition. This is Tiffany. What's
2: up, y'all? It's Mandy. And this is Brown Ambition.
1: And- <laughs> oh, what's new with you,
2: boo? You see what I did there? I did. You rhymed all, all kinds of awesomeness. <laughs> oh, are we, I can't believe it's only Tuesday. Um, I don't know what's taking this week so long to get here because I need to go on my vacation. I need to get out uh, of here.
1: Yes, yeah, so I'm excited for mine too.
2: This is probably the least planning I've ever done for a trip in my life. Like literally for – until this past weekend, I only had a plane ticket booked – And I was looking at my husband like, so who's planning this? Because uh, I thought you were doing it. And he's like, well, I thought you were doing it. And anyway, I ended up just – I mean we're not going anywhere super – you know, out of the ordinary, we're going going to do the Pacific Northwest. And fortunately, one of my um, editors has gone and done the same, like a, like the similar kind of trip we're looking to do. So I literally just booked the same hotel. She and her husband went to in the 90s. Hopefully it's still nice. (laughs) She said it was nice.
1: (laughs) Um, And then I'm just
0: going to figure it out from there.
1: Okay. I mean, I, where's the Pacific, where's that? Like, like what states are those?
2: Oh, so we're doing Washington and we might go to Vancouver. Ooh, yeah. pretty.
1: Yeah. You know, what? I love a good landscape. I'm, I, I'm a landscape chaser. Like I'm not someone who, when I like to go on vacation, I'm not someone who like seeks out cities. I mean, like I'll go to one, obviously, like I've been to Paris and stuff, but I prefer like a beautiful, just like, I just love nature when I, when I travel. I like serenity. And so that sounds awesome. Tell me how it is. Cause maybe I'll go. I've always wanted to go. You just
2: see pictures of the Pacific Northwest. The whole region looks so stunning. And honestly, that's what I'm interested in. Like, I don't really – I'm not interested in doing a lot of, like, sightseeing and, and, and walking around a city. I just want to, like, relax and be in mm-hmm. nature. I think we're going to go on, like, a whale-watching tour. Oh,
1: nice.
2: I just want to – I don't know. The, the, like, the B&B we're staying at um, is, like, on a cliff overlooking the ocean and, you know, I, I like it. I like no plans, just relaxing. I mean, we'll see if I'm going stir crazy by day four, but <laughs> I need to just get kind of grounded and centered again. Cause it's been kind of a wacky year, Ble- a blessed year and a
1: challenging year, but you know, I just need like a reset. Yeah, honestly. And that's like my kind of vacation, but that's not what I'm going on vacation. It's going to be crazy, but fun. I'm taking the team for the very, very first time, um, on a vacation. Cause the team is fairly young. I think like the longest some of the core team members have been there is like two years. I mean, we do have people, some folks that are longer, but as far as like collectively, it's about two, about two to one, one and a half to two years old. So I said, you know, my, my business partner and I, Jabril, really it was his idea um, because he takes his, he travels with his team all the time. And he was like, we should take the team. This is like uh, last year. We should take the team on a trip. And this is when the team was about a year old. And I said, OK, he's like, you know, we should start setting aside money from our, you know, our um, monthly gross income toward the trip. So I think we set aside like 2% um, of our gross income in a savings account um, for the trip. And, you know, we kind of had like a, a budget already, like, you know, set aside. And I told him to pick a state. So no, no, we're not leaving the country. It was our first trip. And I said, no, Alaska and no Hawaii. So something like you know that we could reasonably afford. So they picked Orlando, um, Florida, obviously. And so um, yeah, I'm excited. So we've got a great itinerary. Obviously, we have to do Universal Studios. Um, we, we're going to have a spa day. Uh, we're going to go to a comedy club. Uh, we're going to have like a not a super fancy dinner, but like a nice dinner. We actually got an Airbnb that's a huge house with like a um, like a what is that thing like a theater room? Oh,
2: nice. Um, have you yeah, guys met? So- have you guys like met in person before?
1: No, it's not so crazy. I think I've met Sylvia and Logan, like Logan years ago. Logan is my content manager and Sylvia manages um, um, my social media, especially like the Facebook group. Um, And so I met Sylvia at um, Essence Fest, not last year, but I think the year before. And Logan, I met her at a Dreamcatcher meeting maybe like two or three years ago. Um, But no, really, I have not met most of the team. Jabril is the only person I see, I wouldn't even say regularly, I would say maybe three or four times a year. I'm excited because it also marks like um kind of like a next level for the company that we're even able to do this, you know?
2: Well, don't forget to take a look back. I mean, we were just talking about how it's the 10 year anniversary. I mean, anniversary is kind of a positive word, but ten, <laughs> the 10 year milestone of the financial crisis, you know, which took hold in 2008. And I mean, think about, uh, we were talking about how like your career, my career kind of took off around the same time, or at least were instigated by the financial crisis. And I mean, don't, just like take back look back at where the how far the budget niece has come like look back at how how far Mandy Inc has come and, uh, <laughs> and and like how much you've grown and just like be grateful for that and and yeah there's a lot of challenges ahead but I mean celebrate it seems like this trip is coming at a good time because you can like take a pause and celebrate what you have built you know and what you guys
1: have built together but what you started yourself 10 years ago Yeah, no, it's so crazy, right? 10 years. What a difference that like 10 years can make, obviously. Do you remember, like I remember, so I'm turning 39 this year, and the year that I was turning 29 is when the school closed. And it was around this time, honestly, because um, uh, school starts in New Jersey, like in September, early September. And we got a call basically saying, yeah, girl, don't come to work, you know, in three days. And I was like, oh, we're, we're pushing back in opening day? That's weird. They're like, no, just ever. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) I was like, wait, what? And I remember feeling relieved and scared because honestly, I was so sick of tired of working in the classroom. I love the kids, but the administration was like just the worst. And so I was relieved and I didn't know, I didn't realize it was like this big epidemic. I was like, oh good. I get a break, a longer break. And then, you know, I'll go back and get me another teaching job. And then that didn't happen. And then things got worse and worse and worse. And then I I got into like this really um, depressive funk because I was losing everything, all of my savings, my retirement account, my house. Um, So in the beginning, though, I I was actually excited um, before it all fell apart and then got back together again. What about you? What do you remember from 10 years ago? Oh I
2: remember graduating and being so naive about the how deep the recession was I mean I was a journalism student in 2009 you know journalism uh, school graduate in 2009 and we were all—it was like just b- baby little lambs to the slaughterhouse, um, <laughs> just shipping us off to be ripped to shreds by the economy. Because I mean, I, obviously, I remember that last year of my of uh, journalism school where they were bringing in—you know—they bring in these, uh, you know, established journalists from newspapers and national newspapers and local newspapers to come and talk to us and get us excited. And they were all just coming in haggard. With like tattered shoes and like the glasses were broken. No, I'm kidding. But it felt like that. They were so depressed, and I, I just I remember being blindly optimistic in spite of everything. And I would I think about that time, and I'm I'm really grateful that I. I I didn't, I didn't adopt the recession mindset for my career. And I think that even though I lost my – I did lose my first job um, when I, I got hired at a magazine and then I lost my job three months later in New York City. You know, That's my origin story for becoming a personal finance reporter. Um, but even still, like when I lost my job, I remember calling a friend of mine and telling them and they were just horrified. And I was like, I'm going to be fine. It's going to be great. I got these unemployment <laughs> benefits and – But I think that's what happens when you come from, like for me, forget like the recession notwithstanding, like I had no option. I couldn't fail because there was no safety net. I didn't have family or friends to like support me. So for me, it was like I'm going to make it because I have no other choice. And I think that, um, so in a lot of ways, the recession, um, yeah, it pushed me it pushed me to not take my career for granted it also pushed me to demand more from myself in terms of financial stability and it made me it made me more serious about making sure when i started to make it that i was not just going to make it for the time being or just get a job for now but i was going to like build a career that could sustain me when the next layoff comes like you mm. know it it, it it like it broke my own um like I, I don't know if if people have um, like your I don't know your the, the naivete you know when you mm-hmm. work for a company oh I'm going to work here forever they they love me and they're you know I'm loyal to this company it really helped me understand oh this is business and yes. as long as I'm working for someone else and I still am to this day working for a company any day they could be like oh you know your services no longer needed don't come to work in three days um, and because of that I feel like it's helped me prepare you know, have a realistic idea of what work is and what it isn't and prepare for uh, make sure that I'm prepared so that if, you know, if that were to happen again, I'm not losing. I'm not I'm financially secure, but I'm also like mentally secure. You know, it's not like my it's not like my identity is tied up in my job um, and that I have enough skills that I can go and get a job somewhere else after that. That was
1: a long winded answer, but no, 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 it was good because honestly it, it totally transformed me because I am am not by nature at that age. I was not a risk taker. Well, not really. I mean, I, but it forced me to look at, because if you can lose a job, a teaching job, I'm like, is there any job more secure than a teaching job? Like, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, so what it did was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I did what I call the, um. I had the brown girl, the the brown girl, good girl checklist, check, go to school. Yeah. Check, get your, de- you know, your, your degree. Yes. Check, like, you know, buy your home, save your money. Like I was doing all the good girl things. Got like, your master's. Right? Exactly. Like, and so like, you know, um, get your, you know, get your first property. I was like 26. I got a condo. So I was doing, I had a, my, um, marry your college boyfriend. So I was like dating like my college boyfriend for, I don't know. We started, we were dating by then. Six years, I guess, and so everything was like, okay, yes, I have the good girl checklist. Literally, everything was going swimmingly, and then all of a sudden, it was like, wait, what? Everything fell apart, and I didn't even. I'm not gonna lie, it took me like a year and a half, almost two years, to even get back to um, like I I don't know if it was depression or what, but it I couldn't believe it. Because I was like, I couldn't wrap my mind around, but I, I kept replaying, like, but I did everything. I did I did everything. Like, right. You know, like, I got good grades. I, I got my degrees. I don't understand. Like, I was, and I was actually a really good teacher. Like, I was getting accolades as a teacher and being recognized by the city. And I was like a model classroom. And like, the kids were reading. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I don't, what does this mean? Because I, I had already used all the tools that I knew for success. So it was scary because it was like, I don't have any other tools. I've used them all and it didn't work. So what do you do but lay in the bed and look at the, look at the ceiling? Like, I don't know what to do with my life. Um, And then I don't know, like it was my best friend, Linda, that helped break me out of my funk. Um, And then um, I realized that, you know, I kind of didn't, I was 30 by then and I kind of didn't want to, you know, live this sucky life. And so as I was digging, you know, what helped a lot as I was digging my way out I saw that my friends were also struggling, and it I was able to take my mind off of me, and really start to be like, well, Tiffany, at least you know how to budget because that's the one thing you know I got from home. At least you know how to save, and so as I was helping myself, I was like, well, hey girl, you're well, you know, come to the house, or I'll come to your house and I'll help you. So that helped. That. I, I switched from the woe is me Tiffany to, well, you've got some basic skills that you can help your friends with Tiffany. So let's in, in the meantime, figuring what you want to do, your un- unemployment, at least help your friends out. And then helping my friends out turned into helping my community out. And then that turned into, can this be a business? So I'm grateful for those times, but it was traumatic. I still suffer from that trauma. Like, honestly, I'm hoping Helen can help me with like your, um, our, well, our, financial advisor. (laughs) (laughs) Shared custody. Right? Superman and I have our first meeting with her on October 4th. So I'm excited. Um, But yeah, because I'm still suffering from some of the trauma of it. But yeah, that was... Those were some really weird times, you know?
2: Um, And I wonder if all these stories, you know, all these stories about... I mean... Forget about the president, but the, you can't argue with the fact that on paper, the economy is doing extraordinarily well. You yeah. know, unemployment is at record lows. Um, the stock market, the bull market continues. It has been a bull market for, I think, a record amount of time now. Um, but at the other hand, on the other hand, you can't deny the reality. I mean, we get the questions from our listeners—the fact that they're still struggling with consumer debt, student loan debt. You know, how many questions do we get around that? Um, how many questions about people underwater on their auto loans? So it's like, the, so I feel like certainly the 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 uber the uber rich and the wealthy and a select group of people are definitely benefiting from the stronger economy. But it changed our country in ways that are irreversible or at least, you know, are going to be really hard to reverse, like the number of people who lost their homes and, and became permanent renters. You know, on the one hand, that's negative because you've lost, you know, you've taken away a way for people to build wealth through through property. On the other hand, you've created this like this generation of landlords, you know, like buying up cheap homes and then, mm-hmm. flipping, you know, and then renting them to to renters. You hear people talk about, oh, it's a great time to invest in property because so you know, there's so many renters and housing is low and it's just fascinating to me to look at the micro ways that um you know these the the past ten years have have impacted people and their way of life and i I definitely don't think it's been an even recovery. Um, I really would love to hear from our listeners if you guys yes. have like if you guys want to share your recession story I mean tweet us you know tweet us at the b a podcast on, on on Twitter or shoot us an email at brown podcast at gmail dot com I want to share some of y'all stories um how the recessions impacted you or how you're feeling 10 years after the recession.
0: Hey BA fam. This episode is sponsored by state farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than state farm. State farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community.
1: So my brown break, I guess it's almost like a boost break. So I just found out today, and I think it just was announced today that Michael Kors bought Versace. And um, so I guess it's a boost for, you know, Michael Kors being able to buy Versace. But the break is that there's like, you know, and I participated just because it was kind of funny, that there's like this snobbery in like, oh, Michael Kors. Like, you know, that trash brand buying Versace. But I think you mentioned something earlier. Mandy. When did he
2: become trashy?
1: You know, when when regular everyday people could afford him. Is Someone that tell my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie. So I just today, um, Superman, we were cleaning out the closet. And like one of the, the first gifts he ever gave me four years ago was this Michael Kors bag Ooh. with the MK all over it. And I remember he brought it home. Because first of all, I'm not a label person anyway let alone a label person where you could read it and so he's like "Ooh, my cousin helped me pick it out and he spent like three four hundred dollars on that bag and I, I mean I think I wore it for a good month just to be like hey I'm using it but I remember thinking like he's like if I could go back and speak to myself back then I'd be like don't do it don't don't he's play. come a long way yeah he's not that boy anymore yeah, I know <laughs> so yes and the snobbery of business and that um, Michael Kors is a good business. Regardless, somebody's buying Michael Kors, you know, so people turn their nose up, but I'm like, mm-hmm. you oh, know,
2: man. I'm sitting Somebody... here with blue hands because my $17 Old Navy jeggings are cheap AF and they bleed all <laughs> over the place. But you know what? They're comfy and they're cheap. <laughs> <laughs> And well,
1: what about you? What's your brown breaker boost? That's
2: my style. Um. So my my boost is going to be for I wanted to take I wanted to talk about what's happening with our Supreme Court nominee situation right now. So the allegations around Brett Kavanaugh obviously have been in the news. And I feel like this is this is a real proof for me that the Me Too movement was not just a moment and that it's really having ripple effects, because I really don't think we would have paused and taken this woman. Um, seriously, these accusations, if it hadn't been for what's been happening over the past year. And it's just fascinating to me. And I was telling you a little bit before when we were talking, like, I challenge myself to, like, really, really pick apart my own reaction when I hear new allegations against prominent men in power. And when I heard the allegation against Kavanaugh, and I'm trying to, like, pull my politics out of it. Obviously, conservative justice, he, you know, his confirmation could have... Um, extreme ripple effects on our reproductive rights as women. um, And, I mean, countless other um, decisions around, you know, legal decisions could be determined when we have a majority conservative Supreme Court. So there's a lot at stake here. But I'm trying to remove my politics out of it. um, And I I have found myself, I think before I've definitely – been on the oh well how do we know it's true it's he said she said Um, and I I'm ready to I'm I'm more ready to believe people who speak out in this way because and I think part of that is like having conversations with people that I know who have been traumatized by sexual assault in the past um, and are finally speak up speaking up about it and I I just I don't think people understand and I personally. You know, I can I can understand. I mean, I can I can listen to people tell me how it is, but I I personally don't understand because I haven't been sexually assaulted. And you know, but I I can I can see how difficult it is for them to talk about it, even in small circles. So imagine what it takes for someone to put their name on a story like this, put their name, and they don't. She didn't have to put her name on the story at all. She did it. You know, she made a choice to, and that takes guts. That is brave. That is courageous. And I, you know, I think it's, you can't ignore it when, and it's not just, you don't have to put your name on it. But I think that the fact that someone is, excuse me, someone's speaking up, and they're willing to put their name on it, um, you know, they shouldn't necessarily have to, but that to me, that to me is is enough for me to say, um, you know, I believe what she's saying, and or at least I believe that we need to listen. Um, and investigate and take a, take a step back and um, do some work to find out what the truth is. And that's just interesting. And and so it's, it's for me, it's a, it's a good sign, the conversations that we're having around um, Kavanaugh, because I think 10 years ago, you know, whatever, this would have been buried.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we'll see because, you know, Anita Hill, you know, they didn't do right by her when she, um, you know, she stepped forward to talk about Clarence Thomas. And so, yeah, they ripped you know, her apart. Yeah. And so I just, it's just crazy. Like, I don't think men um, get how hard it can be to be a woman. Um, I was reading somewhere that a woman, she she posted, um, you no, know, a man, uh, she was saying like a conversation she had with a, a young guy at her office. And she said something like, um, he said something like, man, I don't even want kids though. If I was 18, 19 years old, I would go get my tubes tied and live my life. And she was like, yeah, you can't do that. I was like, what do you mean? And he, she was like, no, you have to be at least 25, married, and have at least one kid before you get your tube tied." And he was like, wait, what? The, wh- why do I have to ask somebody? to do- I could get a vasectomy right now if I wanted to. She's like, exactly. And I think that a lot of men don't realize like what it's like to have like your body, your what ha- your story, and it's, it's it being... Just like it's 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 just not treated the same, and there's so much happening. And I know it could be like this flood the the Me Too movement. Like I actually know Tarana Burke, she's awesome, by mm-hmm. the way. And like it could just be a lot. And I've seen men be like, "Oh boy, here we go again." But I'm like, oh, you
2: and again imagine, and again, right? and, again <laughs> exactly. and again. Get <laughs> used to the new normal.
1: <laughs> because it's like, well, I mean, it wouldn't be here we go again if it wasn't here we go again. And so, yeah, it's just a shame. And, I mean, I'm just very curious to see how this is going to all play out. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm not all super hopeful, but you never know. You know, I guess we'll see. But I definitely hope that with all of these things coming to light um, and people really getting um, punishment, um, I know we said we're going to talk about Bill Cosby and we don't have to, but, like, with, like, things like that coming up, that more and more of these men are going to think once, twice, thrice before, you know, making a move that's unwarranted and unwanting unwanted toward women.
2: They felt real safe, it, you know, they felt real secure in making those kinds of moves, you know, because that was the normal. Yeah. That was the normal that existed. I don't think a person I, I'd like to think that a predator like Bill Cosby couldn't have preyed on so many women in today's age, you know? Um, and it's a damn shame that it took decades and I mean dozens of women, right? For Bill Cosby, like dozens. Um it shouldn't have to, it shouldn't have to be dozens, you know? um but i I feel like there is a shift in at least for me it's like the one comfort I have after the election, which i can't believe was almost two years ago, is like more women are running for office, and the same thing you saw the same thing happen after anita Hill you know there was the Anita Hill effect where all these women started running for office. A lot of women in Congress now ran because of Anita Hill, you know, or what was happening around that hearing um they were motivated to to you know get a place of power and you know, we made a little bit of progress, but there's still so much work to do. And I guess the, the, the positive thing, the brown boost here is that um, so many people, I think both our generations, all generations of women are standing up and saying this is not going to be our normal and we are going to do whatever we can to make sure it doesn't become the normal.